This is the first time that I'm conducting a live stream, but I'm really, really delighted and pleased to be here today. This is our first live stream of Logistics with Purpose as part of the Supply Chain Now uh, series, Logistics with Purpose. I'm super happy. We have an amazing guest. Mm -hmm. It's incredible to always talk to such inspirational, exciting, and engaging individuals in this show. Christy, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited for our first live stream, but as you said, I'm more important for both our main guest and our surprise guest. People are going to love them both. I totally agree with you. So uh, go ahead, Christy. Yes. So thank you all. Um, to our, I, we're, people are tuning in from all over. I'm already so excited to see all the comments from the other side of the world and everywhere in between. So thank you for tuning in. We're excited to share today's message with you. Um, if you don't know us yet, we are Christy Porter and Enrique Alvarez from Vector Global Logistics. We are a global um, logistics and supply chain company who are passionate about people, passionate about getting our clients um, results, and more importantly, passionate about logistics with purpose. So so we're excited to welcome you here today, and we love sharing stories about people doing good in the world, from Terrence today, who's right here in our own backyard, to people um, who are working internationally and um, just making a huge difference. So we love just spotlighting people. Um, so we're excited for you to hear this um, interview. And first of all, before we welcome Terrence in, if you're not familiar with Love Beyond Walls, then we want to play a quick video so that you can learn a little more about them, and then we'll introduce you to Terrence. I was taught growing up that like people experiencing poverty or homelessness were dangerous or they did something wrong and so that's why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. I might see someone on the side of the road and like it, it would tug on my heartstrings. I would look away because it's easier in some ways to just look away. I think coming to Love Beyond Walls and getting to know people and getting to know their stories, even though I might not be able to provide a job or a house, all the things I thought I needed to be able to do before, um, I think I realized how impactful it can be just to listen to someone's story. One of the things Love Beyond Walls is active in right now is advocating on behalf of uh, people who are experiencing homelessness and poverty. What I love about being in Love Beyond Walls community is the fact that it is just that it feels like a community. It's time for us to educate about how people who are living on the streets are criminalized and marginalized. They're people and they're going through problems. They aren't problems. Putting myself in a minority in every sense of the word has wrecked my life in the best way. It has brought forth, I think, the best things in me. Um, and I'm able to use them for other people. I think if everyone was to make a small difference, if everyone was to do something, um, it would make a huge impact. You are part of the solution. What are you good at? What's your talent? What's your gift? How can you contribute uh, to your neighbor and use your God-given talent uh, to lift them up? You never know how your investment will literally transform someone's life. Terrence, good morning, good afternoon. How are you doing today? It's always a pleasure having you here. I'm doing awesome. Uh, thank you for having me. Good to see you all. It's a, it's a really powerful video, and as uh, the video said, it's really up to all of us to do something about things in life, and, and you have a very, very important cause that you have been 
supporting for quite some time and, and we want to get into all that. But uh, if you allow me for just a couple of minutes before we get in, I actually have a surprise host that is going to join us today. <laughs> I am a little bit biased, but I really truly admire her and I really learn a lot of things from her every day. I mean, she's, I can without a doubt say that my life's been way better having her and she's smart, strong, caring, and uh, truly fearless. Uh, so with us today, Emma. Emma, how are you doing today? I'm good, and you? I'm doing great, Emma. I heard that you're skipping classes for this. <laughs> I am, but it's totally <laughs> worth it. And I'm so excited to learn as much as I can. So why, why are you so excited about uh, Love Beyond Walls? And, and by the way, uh, Terrence, she is your number one fan. Like she's been really talking about this and meeting you and having the opportunity to talk to you for a while now. So, but why, tell us why you actually are so interested, Emma. Um, at school, we learned we have healthcare hero posters and they're all around the building and you're one of them. And like me and many others, um, we had to write a story about a nonfiction story about the healthcare hero posters, and I chose to do it on Terrence. And I learned his inspiring journey and so many other good things. Now, I want to ask you a question: What is a good memory as a kid that you have with your family? A good memory, yeah. Uh, I think the the best memory I have uh, with my family as a child was going to the swimming pool. Uh, my grandmother and grandfather actually had a swimming pool behind their house. And I would always like to have, uh, you know, family gatherings where we have barbecue cookouts and uh, jumping off the uh, diving board into the pool. Um, it's actually the same pool I learned how to swim. And it was just always fun to, to be around family and, uh, and swim and eat food. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I love swimming too. What advice would you give to your younger self and why? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, if I'm thinking about my younger self, uh, who is in K through 12, I would probably say uh, to listen, um, to make sure that you listen to uh, your teachers, your educators, your advisors, but most importantly, your parents. Um, there's a lot that we can learn uh, from listening, uh, not just listening to people that we know, but also listening to the stories of people that we don't know uh, that are inspirational and inspiring and get back and teach us about the world. Um, listening is so powerful because it gives us an opportunity to, um, to grow and be our best selves. Darren, that's uh, thank you so much. And before I let Emma continue with her questioning, and uh, I, I'll have her here to, to ask all the tough questions, of course. <laughs> I wanted to say uh, welcome to to our audience, and I want to say uh, welcome to Robert Grossman, uh, Shahid, Mahesh, Nagila, uh, Peter Boyle. He's been with us. Uh, he follows us on, on every single live stream that I've been on, at least. Hey, Peter. Uh, it's a pleasure to have everyone here, and there's just a lot of people so interested in learning a little bit more about you and, and Love Beyond Walls. Hani uh, from the Netherlands, uh, we have a lot of people from all over. Pat Polanski from Books for Africa, we've worked very closely together with him. So, hey, Pat, thanks for joining us. Susan Nichols and a lot of others I'll continue to, to read. Please, if you have any comments or questions, 
for parents or for the show, just feel free to just uh, add them on the comment section. I will, I'll make sure or try to field <laughs> some of them. But uh, with that said, go ahead, Emma. Do you have a couple more questions? I read you were homeless at some point in your life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, firstly, I just want to say, Emma, thank you for uh, being so inquisitive and asking all of these questions. I think this is uh, a great way to continue to grow in your uh, development and as a leader. Uh, I see you as a young leader and uh, thank you for asking these questions. Yep, uh, to answer your question, I experienced homelessness uh, temporarily when I was a teenager. I got a chance to meet one of my friend's fathers who, was, uh, who became a mentor to me. There were times when I wasn't able to physically stay in my house. And so I, there were times when I was sleeping in parks and uh, from friend's house to friend's house or uh, times I was even uh, living out the trunk of my car as a high school uh, teenager. And so one of the things that uh, became a real benefit for me and even an opportunity is what I just mentioned earlier when you asked what's the most important thing that you can do, uh, which was listening. And I got a chance to listen to uh, my friend's father, who became my mentor, who gave me guidance and encouragement and gave me an opportunity to see the world differently from what I was uh, physically and experiencing in my in my reality. And so with his encouragement, I actually uh, was able to finish school, uh, go on to college, uh, form a family on my own. And he was actually the person that inspired me to launch and start Love Beyond Walls. The first year I actually started Love Beyond Walls, uh, I found out that he had cancer and he passed away. But I'll never forget uh, the lessons that he taught me, uh, the inspiration that he gave me, and always seeing the best of me. And I try to model that within the context of my own life, affirming the dignity of anybody that I come in contact with, uh, address or not. Because like I always say in many of my talks, just because you don't have an address does not mean that you're not a neighbor. And so um, that's the message that I try to get across to anybody I come in contact with uh, to see people. Thank you, Terrence. Yeah, and we also uh, just again want to acknowledge everybody hanging out in the comments. Thank you, Shahid, for joining us, even though you're tired from work. Um, I think you're also on the other side of the world from us here in Atlanta. So thank you so much. And um, as Enrique said, we're happy to put any of the questions you have for Deterrence. So if you have questions, then please chime in. Um, we have some of our other friends joining us. Hey, Adrian. Hey, um, Scott. Hey, it's so good to see friends here. Hi, Jim. Um, and then all the new friends that we're meeting as well. It's so fun. India, UAE, Saudi Arabia. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're excited to be here and mostly we're excited to share Terrence's story um, with you. And as you can see, it's a really interesting story. He has a lot of insight to share with us. So please, if you have questions, then we're happy to um, happy to get them answered for you. Emma is our Oprah. She will get the answers out of him. So, but anybody else who has questions, then we're happy to pose those as well. So thank you. And I think Emma has another question for you too, Terrence. Yes. I just want to say thank you for um, your answers. They have, that was really inspiring. And I want to know what your favorite part is about your business, Love Beyond Walls. Yep. Uh, really great questions. Again, thank you for uh, being such an awesome host mm -hmm. and uh, a special guest. I think the, the most joy I get out of uh, the work that we do is uh, twofold. One, it is uh, 
being proximate and getting the opportunity to be uh, close and befriend so many wonderful people that are overlooked. I'll never forget, I was interviewing uh, one of my friends named Tyrus, and he uh, was without an address. And uh, he was talking about fear, but he was talking about uh, fear and what it does to him as a person who doesn't have an address. He talked about how the fear uh, that others have of him actually did damage to his self-esteem. He says when people lock their doors or they roll up their windows or they turn their heads away on purpose and intentionally, that hurts me. Uh, and basically what he was trying to communicate was he says, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm an uncle. And he started listing all of these characteristics of uh, what he was. And then he said, he goes on to say, I'm, I'm Tyrus, I'm somebody worth being seen. Um, and where I am right now doesn't necessarily define my worth and value. Those stories are so powerful because uh, we get a chance to affirm the dignity of people who are overlooked, who are deemed invisible and who are uh, criminalized, even when a person doesn't necessarily know the story that got a person into the experience of homelessness. I think uh, suffering is uh, and pain is universal. And that at any given point, uh, we can all find ourselves being one paycheck away or one life event away or one experience away uh, from the experience of homelessness. And I think that we have to uh, push back against the notion of defining and labeling people based upon one experience, uh, because everybody who arrives uh, in this plight doesn't necessarily have a mental health issue or uh, they're not addicted to a substance. Some people lost their job. Some people uh, became physically ill. Uh, we've seen this happen time and time again uh, during COVID-19. Uh, some people lost loved ones. Uh, my, my, my wife and I actually lost our brother uh, to COVID at a very young age. He was 38 years old. Uh, and we even saw how his family, uh, after the loss of income, had to uh, be transitionally and temporarily homeless as well, my nieces and nephews. And so these are real things that people go through and we can't uh, sit back and allow uh, what we've heard about uh, people experiencing homelessness to define how we treat them. And then the second thing is this, uh, I get a chance to educate people about the real and raw realities about what people face uh, every single second. Uh, like uh, my friend Virgil, who says he uses a rain bucket to collect water when it rains, he says, I literally have to pray for it to rain. And when it rains, I get all this water in the bucket and I sit it out in the sun just so I can bathe and clean myself. Uh, we don't think about the times when we toss a, a half empty water bottle in the trash that someone uses that to brush their teeth out of. Uh, we don't uh, uh, think about when uh, we throw or toss an old pair of socks away that somebody is using those same pair of socks as gloves during the winter. We don't think about uh, the damage it does when we actually look down on someone. And so being able to educate people about those realities helps to build empathy. And I think in this time that we're in right now, we have a real empathy deficit. And just like one of my friends who is an author, her name is uh, uh, Belinda, she wrote the, this book called Brave Soul. She says, empathy is the virtue that is muscular enough to deal with the complexities of our time. And she's talking about compassion and empathy and seeing people. And, and I just love that uh, as a part of the work that we, we get a chance to do.
Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I feel like I see you everywhere I turn in Atlanta because everybody knows who you are and you're doing such incredible work here. So I'm excited for the rest of um, the world to keep hearing more about you. And so can you, you gave us a little bit of the backstory for Love Beyond Walls. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you were up to before the pandemic? And of course you made national headlines early on in the pandemic, not just for the amazing work that you're doing, but because you had such a quick pandemic pivot. So will you tell us kind of before um, in the few years leading up to the pandemic, what you were doing and then now how you guys have transitioned and what you're working on now? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So traditionally we have a center in College Park, uh, which is probably two miles outside of Atlanta, but we are considered housed in Atlanta. Uh, uh, for a number of years, we use this center to uh, give people access to technology. I mean, gosh, we're using technology right now to even communicate. Uh, and you think about the number of people experiencing homelessness that don't have access to uh, technology. Uh, we use our center to help people recover their identification cards, but all, because oftentimes when you don't have ID, you can't get a job, you can't cash a check, can't get housing. Um, you can't open a bank account, uh, you can't drive a car, uh, a number of things that it takes to function day in and day out. You can't do if you don't have this one uh, piece of identification uh, that proves you are who you are. Uh, well, there's a problem with that because you need ID to get what ID. Um, and so there's, uh, you know, times where we were partnering with lawyers uh, to solicit these uh, critical pieces of identification. Uh, to help people transition out of homelessness. Uh, we use our center for uh, temporary housing. Uh, we uh, traditionally use RV units that were donated to our organization uh, to provide spaces uh, where we can intentionally and approximately work with individuals that we have befriended to help them walk out of the experience of homelessness. Uh, we had uh, you know, free showers. Uh, we we launched a museum for people to come and, and visit and be educated about the experience. So uh, day in and day out, we were, you know, constantly, um, you know, immersed into engaging the community. We had food co-op. We were doing a number of things. And then when the pandemic hit, it kind of altered a lot of things because of volunteer-led organization. Uh, we went from seeing, you know, five, 600 volunteers per month uh, to less than 10. Uh, because initially uh, you have all these volunteers quarantining and uh, being physically distant from one another. And that kind of caused us to have to make some tough decisions about how do we pivot? How do we continue to show up for our community? And I'll never forget, uh, we had this guy named Dimitri uh, come into our center um, and he had come there for food resources and uh, to leverage uh, communication to use the phone. And he started saying to everybody in the center, I'm afraid that I'm going to die, literally his words, because I have nowhere to wash my hands. I keep hearing uh, that you're supposed to wash your, your hands. And how do I do that? Because I can't access water. Um, and because our organization is poised to respond to the needs as opposed to being uh, a conveyor belt model, uh, we always are open to how um, we can actually meet the needs in front of in front of us, like real time. And so I, I had this idea. I started thinking about the RVs that we were using to temporarily house people. 
and how a lot of them have features like you know, portable cooking station, porta potties where people can use the restroom, portable hand washing stations. And my idea was to take this uh, feature that was already in existence and repurpose it to service a population uh, that I knew would be uh, locked out and shut out of many facilities because they were already used to not being able to access uh, water and uh, not being able to go to in public spaces, etc. And I remember telling my wife, hey, I think I'm going to put sinks in the middle of the streets, <laughs> you know, for people to have access to wash their hands if you don't have access to that water. And she says, yeah, you should go and do it. And around that time, uh, my friend Lecrae reached out to me and he donated the first 15 and 15 turned into over a thousand uh, right now uh, that we have placed all around the United States. Uh, huge shout out to Victor uh, Global, uh, which you don't want me to shout you out, but I am because uh, your logistics company helped to get a mass amount of these portable hand washing stations. So people who are living on the margins of society have the access to sanitation because sanitation is a, is a human right. And so um, here recently, I just told you a story about uh, Virgil. And so re here recently, we've been taking the 250 gallon tanks, uh, two of those, we've been uh, uh, re repurposing those because they'll be thrown away and turning them into uh, self-contained portable showers. Uh, so that's where we are right now. We're uh, pivoting to sanitation and we're still on the front lines uh, provide, providing this critical resource. That's a, it's an amazing, uh, Terrence, what you're doing. And uh, it's just, uh, we're very proud to be not only talking to you here, but work with you and your team. I've seen you guys work firsthand and everyone's super committed and passionate. Peter here, uh, really good comment, Peter. Uh, really crazy part is being homeless can happen to anyone at any time due to no fault of their own. We need to extend our hand and support. Bravo, Terrence. I mean, there's people flooding these comments and uh, I can't really keep up with them, but uh, it's it's great, uh, great what you're doing. Uh, another comment here, Simon Joyner, this is actually a question, question to you, Terrence. When did you know that you needed to write I See You and how did you feel writing it? Uh, yeah, that that is a, a, a great question, Simon. I was, it was 2016. I was sitting in the office on a Saturday. We didn't have any programs going on, but I was doing some administrative work and there's a knock at the window. There was an elderly lady. She was 69 years old. And she says, you know, I heard there's an organization helping people with food. Like I haven't eating, eaten in a few days. I don't have any more of my social security uh, funds. And so uh, I got up and I walked outside. I looked around the door and I, I didn't see a car and I said, well, how did you get here? And she says, well, I walked and I put the address into my phone and it was seven miles. Uh, this lady had walked seven miles just for a bag of groceries. And it started to, uh, you know, really caused me to think about many of the people that actually access our community center that are walking tons and tons of miles uh, just to access resources. This you know, Lady actually inspired one of the campaigns that we launched called uh, MAP-16. Uh, and MAP-16 was a march against poverty where uh, uh, my family allowed me to walk from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way to the White House. Uh, we actually turned this campaign into a documentary film called Voiceless, where we interview all of these people in different parts of the United States of America about, about their struggles with poverty. And along the way, I kept asking 
why I kept having people ask me these questions about, you know, what what is what is homelessness really like? What does it mean to what do you mean when you say it takes courage to be poor in this country? Uh, and I was going through the physical exhaustion of having to get up every single day and walk 14 miles. It took me two months to complete this journey. And I started feeling these real deep emotions because every day I woke up, I was physically tired and I had to continue to wake up and, and press forward. And I re related that as a, as a metaphor to poverty. You know, it's tiring. It's physically exhausting. It's emotionally draining. And every single day, people have to wake up and put their best foot forward, uh, even when they don't have access to uh, the proper resources. And so uh, all of that inspired me to write uh, I See You. And uh, I think it's a, a call that um, we're all called to do. Uh, I think if we've learned anything during COVID-19 uh, is that we need to see each other. Uh, we need to understand the, uh, the lack of access that many of our neighbors have if they're wrestling with disparities and that we are stronger together, uh, that we can do more uh, together than we can apart. Absolutely true about that. And uh, it's just at the end of the day, no matter in what side of the aisle you are, we're all humans. We're all living in the same planet and we just need to kind of take good care of each other because no one else is going to. And um, Susan, uh, Susan Nichols, thank you very much. Um, she actually has a very specific question as well. How can we help someone who is homeless and how can we deal with the helplessness we feel in that? Because I, I, approaching homeless in general, Terrence, and you probably have seen this over and over, it's just it's not easy. Sometimes you react probably the wrong way. Sometimes you actually have a little bit of a sense of uh, for all this media and movies and things like that paint a picture of homeless that, as you mentioned before, are not. it's not what they are. But that's what we kind of believe, or what we kind of uh, grew out to uh, to believe uh, in. So, how do how do you break this kind of cycle? How do you approach a homeless person? Uh, let's say after we finish this show, if I go and encounter someone, what what would you tell to to, to uh, me and other people like Susan that have that question? Uh, I, well, firstly, I want to affirm Susan. I think it's a, a really great question. The work that I do is is really tough work. But one of the first things that I like to do is reframe how we talk about people experiencing homelessness and uh, affirm the personhood of, of people who are living on the streets. Because the, I, th I think the, the question that I would ask back is how do we do that with people who have access to uh, houses, right? Uh, how do we continue to show up and support people uh, who, are, uh, who may be selfish who may have access to resources, who may have, can walk over to a thermostat and, and change the temperature. Um, I like to center personhood because I think as we uh, navigate in uh, showing up for people, whether they have an address or not, it's, it's messy and it's hard work. I also, you know, normally ask people uh, to think about who, are, who, who was the last person that hurt them in their life, right? And, and in most cases, is is not somebody who has been living on the streets. It's someone who's had access to, to resources and, and privileges. And I just think dealing with the human condition within itself is messy. Building relationships with people is messy. Showing up for others and uh, practicing what Henry Nouwen calls uh, as selfless compassion is messy. And uh, I think it comes with a, a number of things. One, it comes with healthy boundaries. Just because I show up for you doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing work for you. 
That means that I'm practicing proximity and presence, uh, but I'm keeping uh, healthy boundaries uh, in place so I, I don't uh, allow the vicarious trauma to overtake me, right? It's the same thing that uh, you know airplane pilots or airplane hostesses uh, say, assured it is, uh, say on the airplane, put on your own oxygen mask uh, right. before you uh, share it with someone else. Uh, the second thing too is 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 that I, I think it takes um, intentional courage, and what I mean by intentional courage, of course, is courageous to show up for people and to show up and be selfless for your friends and your family members or someone uh, who is also living on the streets. But I, I also think you have to be intentional about being in a community as you do that, right? How do you build the the type of support systems where you don't feel like you're shouldering all of this on your own? Right. Well, I mean, um, parents, and sorry to to interrupt you right yeah, there, but when you're yeah. saying things like that. I, I, it sounds a lot like you should be okay making mistakes. I mean, it, it takes yes. time, and you're like the yeah. first time you're actually <laughs> intro to this life. Yeah, it's yeah, perfect, and you'll probably say the wrong things, and probably the, you'll be yeah. embarrassed, and the homeless person will be angry. But at yeah, the point, yeah. you have to, yeah. you just have to get over it, right, and try it. Yeah, is that yeah, and it. it yeah, it does take time. That was my that was my third takeaway. Um, it takes time uh, that we can't put a time limit on someone's transformation or growth and development that we all succumb to stumbling. You know, we do really good and we stumble. We do really good and we stumble and we take step backs. And I think that is the nature of life. The question I would ask, you know, uh, uh, Susan, who asked this question in thinking about that, if you set up those structures in place where you maintain your own sense of health and your boundaries, you know, is a person that you you befriended worth fighting for and going the distance with? Because what I tell people in talks all the time, I'm walking with people, I'm not walking for them. And so reframing that and making the distinction will could help you. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to, you've touched obviously on the, um, the campaign, the Love Sing Sin campaign, and also you briefly mentioned um, the Dignity Museum, but you're talking to an audience that loves to know how things work and loves to know how to get things places. So those are two, um, you know, there's a reason that Love Beyond Walls has been such an effective champion in this. So can you talk a little bit more about um, how the SYNC project actually works and how you guys get them refilled and all of that stuff? And then hopefully I'm guessing the Dignity Museum will be back in commission after the pandemic and it's an amazing concept. So I'd love for, for them to hear more about that too. Yeah. Uh, so the hand washing stations actually work through a decentralized uh, volunteering system. Uh, currently, we have over 70 partners and mainly we have partnered with people who are already in the, 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 the proximity uh, to many of our, our persons who are experiencing homelessness. And so uh, volunteers actually uh, restock and refill uh, the hand, hand washing stations on a daily basis. They go out, uh, they clean them. Uh, when uh, a station is empty of soap and water, uh, they refill them. Uh, we've seen kids out there on the front lines, you know, with their parents or their uh, church community or their small group or, 
you know, volunteers who are, are partnering uh, with the organization and continuing to show up. And, and so it's all uh, based on the goodwill and uh, good humanitarianism of uh, people who want to provide this critical resource. It's been so amazing to see how people have used such uh, an intense moment in history to actually come together and show up for other people who may not have the the basic necessities that they have for themselves. And so that's been really inspirational. And to your uh, point about the Dignity Museum, the Dignity Dignity Museum is actually housed in the shipping container. And so we converted a 40-foot shipping container into a uh, a museum, which is an immersive experience. It has technology and facts and all sorts of things on the inside of the museum where people are, are able to go in and learn about uh, people experiencing homelessness, but also uh, learn about the myths and the facts, right? What people actually think about their own experience. They'll be able to listen to stories and, and track this oral history of what actually led someone in uh you know, the issue of homelessness and what actually got them out of it. Another cool part of it uh, is broken up into three sections. Uh, it's challenge stereotypes, create empathy, and inspire action. And in the create empathy uh, section, there's a wall. And we've taken the words of people wrote on uh, signs that people hold on the, the corners. And it's very impactful. Um, and one of the, the phrases that always makes people tear up is uh, there's this sign that says, um, you know, mom told me to wait right here. Uh, that was 10 years ago. You think about the number of people who are actually writing out of their heart uh, in, in many ways, uh, prose and poetry uh, to communicate to the rest of the world what they're feeling on the inside on these signs. And so uh, people get a chance to interact with that, but also realize we do need empathy and what I do for you, I'm also doing for myself. Uh, if I could borrow uh, ML King's words, uh, we are a world house and a, a global village. And we've had people in the comments donating, buying merch. Thank you guys. Keep that coming. Um, so to that point, what is it you guys need right now? I love beyond walls. How can our community support you? What are, what would you ask of us? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm really intrigued in the, uh, 250 gallon tanks uh, right now. We are in need of uh, many of those uh, because we want to plant uh, self-contained showers. Uh, I wish I could show you a picture, but uh, if you can imagine they're flipped on, you know, upside down and they sit on top of each other, uh, they're already kind of set up for drainage because on the 250 gallon tank, you can drain the gray water out um, we use a tankless water heater and we mount it on the side and we use a water pump uh, inside of another container that shoots the water up. And it's already private because you can't see in, inside of it. And so if people want to donate, uh, we are looking for donations for um, uh, 250 gallon tanks. And they range from $200, uh, $250 around that range. And we have a goal to try to create like a hundred of those. Terrence, are you going to start launching that new campaign here in Atlanta as well and then spreading it out as you did with the Sync Loves campaign? Yes. Uh, so we actually created the first version of it and we've been using it every since uh, February. 
And now that we have perfected it, uh, we want to continue to plant those all around the city of Atlanta and continue to spread those. And it's it, it we've had people already reach out uh, from all around the country. We're going to also create a, a DIY video uh, if people would like to do it themselves and donate these to uh, organizations. Yeah, really, truly uh, incredible on what you're doing. And I, it sounds like this, the sky's the limit for you. I mean, you started yeah. small and you started launching different campaigns and you have become an icon when it comes to really helping others and making sure that we care for each other. So thank you once again for thank everything you, so you do. It's, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. And uh, Emma, thank you. Uh, I hope your father was joking about skipping out of school. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, you, you asked some amazing questions, and you're a great co-host. Thank, Thank you. you. So, and before before we let you go, and I know that you're incredibly busy, Terrence, um, I wanted to come back to Emma and Christy just to ask ask you, uh, after this conversation that we had with Terrence, uh, I know you, Emma, at least, had so, so much expectations about this conversation. You were so nervous yesterday. Uh, what was the number one thing that, that you kind of take out of this conversation with Terrence? And, and Terrence, if you don't mind, we'll probably have to invite you again because there's so many other things that we need to talk to you about that, that it's just uh, not enough time. I, again, thank everyone on the comments, Mahesh, um, Susan. There's so many comments and questions that it's just not, it's just not possible to kind of fit all of them into this uh, episode, but we'll do another one. So... With that said, Emma, um, Christy, your number one thing, and um, I'll start with Christy. Oh, I was going to say start with Emma. Okay. I'll start, well, I can start with Emma, too. Really, Emma, yeah. <laughs> Go okay. ahead, Emma. Um, I think my number one thing that I'm going to take out of this amazing interview is, like, when you have a goal, keep working for it. Keep going. Keep helping. Try and help as many people as you can. Listen, learn, and just inspire other people and that's exactly what you're doing Terrence thank you um I think for me I question and a comment my comment was more one of my takeaways was just it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to start small and um keep growing there's you know so many needs all around us right now and so I think just every interaction matters and every uh everything you can do to be kind to someone else matters and so that was sort of one of my takeaways. And then my question along those lines is, because this is an invisible community at times, what do you feel like people should know about the homeless population? What do you feel like they want people to know? Um, or what's something that's just not not common knowledge that we should know? Gosh, there, there are so many things. The one thing I, I will say is there is a, a growing trend uh, across the country to uh, criminalize the experience of what it means to not have an address like uh, in January, January 16th, uh, 2021, a city in South Carolina actually banned camping. Um, and we all know that there's a bed shortage all, all across the United States. So like if you can't sleep outside, then where do you sleep? Right. And so people actually have to uproot and leave the city in many ways. Uh, you know, that is a form of further displacing people. Uh, there are also laws that discriminate against sharing food, like what me and you could do, like we could sit outside and I can give you a piece of a sandwich and uh, there would be no fine. But if you do that with someone experiencing homelessness, uh, you can be ticketed in certain areas. Uh, there are other ordinances uh, in the United States where 
you can't sleep in a car, even if you're working a job and you can't afford uh, the rent, say like on the West Coast, right? That you can be uh, ticketed and even taken to jail uh, for sleeping in a car. And so uh, when you think about the criminalization of what it means to, to be to experience homelessness, I think we need to reframe how we associate, you know, going through this experience that we need to humanize people, that we need to respect everybody's story and that we need to affirm the dignity of, of those who are suffering. We've all suffered ourselves. Right. This is the human condition, uh, even if it's not with the same type of uh, issue. Uh, we know what it means to be in pain. And so uh, how would we withhold the love that we would want for our, our, ourselves that we can so freely give to those who are also suffering? And that is the message that we need to see people, that we need to affirm the dignity of others, and that ev everybody, no matter how damaged the packaging is, is worthy of having their uh, dignity affirmed. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Terrence. Very, very, very powerful. I'm sorry, Christy, did you... I you were going to say something. No, I'm, we could do this all day long. I mean, I know. We're just wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everybody. Please go um, to see the showers and to buy the book and watch the docu documentary series, everything. Please go follow uh, Love Beyond Walls on social media and um, give. You you won't regret it. You're, you're such an amazing speaker, too, Terrence. I mean, just listening to you is, is yeah. it's great. I mean, you have a good voice and you know what to say and how to really reach out and to uh, – people's feelings and hopefully bring the best out of them. So thank you so much. As, as always, uh, you can count with our full support for whatever you need always. Thanks to the audience. Again, uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of comments, a lot of questions, a lot of thank you notes to you, Terrence, that will pass after this. And uh, we'll definitely be <laughs> posting this interview right after this live stream completes. Thank you so much for joining another episode of Logistics with Purpose. Thank you so much to the team at Supply Chain Now. I mean, you still didn't see them, but they're behind the scenes. Natalie, yeah. Ray, Amanda, Scott. Thank you so much for, for your help. And Emma, do you, um, do you want to close the live stream? Let's do it. Thank you so much, Terrence and audience. I hope you learned a lot and got inspired. Make sure to follow Vector Global Logistics and Supply Chain Now. And while you're at it, go follow Chica.Alvarez. <laughs> Have a wonderful Wednesday, and yeah. if you liked this live stream, make sure to stay tuned for more. Bye.